2: We'll be talking to SI reporter and producer Priya Desai as we talk American athletes who are based outside of the U.S. and how they deal with the outbreak and travel restrictions. We'll also talk to professional goalkeeper Emily Dolan who currently plays for Spanish soccer club Real Betis but is back in the U.S. due to quarantine guidelines. The complications for an athlete during the pandemic go far and wide. But what happens when you're an American athlete and spend most of your time on international ground? What happens when your career, which took you anywhere from Italy to France, Australia or Spain, is suddenly interrupted due to COVID-19? The issues go beyond playing your respective sport, such as visas, living arrangements and even your own future come into place. It's a tremendous burden that mounts up on any athlete, making it that much harder for families and even teammates, as they can't physically even be together. Joining us now is producer, writer, culture reporter for Sports Illustrated, Priya Desai, who wrote a great, uh, very valuable piece on American athletes playing abroad. Priya, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me
2: let's get straight to it. At the very beginning of this, I believe, whilst you were uh, writing this piece and interviewing athletes, you constantly had to change the story as the pandemic and the effects of it was changing every day. Why don't you walk us through, at the very beginning, how everything was developing when you were writing the story?
0: Yeah, I reached out to about 10 to 12 uh, athletes, we're playing abroad for uh, whether it was a WNBA player who plays overseas for a couple months, a Euro player who's there all the time. And initially it was, let's see how it is on your side of the world. It moved day by day. They were eight, nine hours ahead of me for the most part. So I'd call her on 5 a.m. and I would get a range of responses, which is, oh, our borders have shut just shut down or my wife is pregnant and I have to get our home. I I don't want to risk not being able to come back to the States or back to France. There was different areas that everyone was going. And you could also hear their tone change in their, in their voice, which was super interesting. It was the first day. It was just like, yeah, this is crazy. Right. We're just, you know, we're social distancing and we're not working out in a gym to, Hey, we can't leave our town without a signed note from the government and that's like two three days it's just like boom 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 so what started off as a more of a let's take a look around the world became more of hey this pandemic is just moving so quickly and people need to start making some really difficult choices in a span of 12 hours
2: so one particular story that i was very interested in obviously they were all uh, very uh effective but one of them was a, a player obviously playing in italy who was dealing with the balance of, well, if I leave, it also has implications regarding my contract. What are the financial implications of athletes who are stranded in a foreign country and have, have to play this sort of catch 22 game of, of staying or going?
0: From what I gathered, it's not a league decision. It's becoming more of a team decision. So for the player, let's say in Italy, if he left, And I got to say, none of them were dealing with any teams that were not being understanding of an American player who wants to go home. His biggest thing was like, if I go home and the States say, I can't come back, my contract is like forfeited. There's nothing that I can do about that. Um, You know, if Italy reopens everything and they start playing again and he's stuck here, and that's it. Like his contract's void and he doesn't get paid.
2: What about the disconnection from families? How are athletes you've talked to Dealing with the separation in this specific moment,
0: a lot of them would get information through me. uh They would say things like, "I'm going back to the states. I'm not going to have any toilet paper," and I was like, well, "Kind of, sort of, but not really." Let me like walk you through this uh, because they also didn't want to like worry their own family back home. It's such a, a disconnect. You know, you can only do so much FaceTime. So a lot of them were just kind of playing that ba- balancing act of what's going on. In the states, what's actually going on on what they're seeing, like on social media, versus the reality of their family in whatever town they're in.
2: To that point, has there been any hesitancy of athletes coming back to the U.S. versus staying put? Because much of the conversation is about athletes, you know, thinking that they all want to return to the U.S., but some might be thinking, "I think that's a that's a worse option." Has there been any of that narrative?
0: Every single player I spoke to. It was very interesting. Uh, And again, it's what they're seeing on social media and the news uh, versus what their specific family situation is. They just felt there was a little bit more organization and response to the pandemic. And that's a lot of it has to do with, right? Like they have been dealing with this in Europe longer than us so it was like well why leave like a country that has been dealing with this for two to three weeks longer than the states most of all of them said it I feel like I'm taking a step back by going back to America but then they have to decide whether or not they're willing to risk not being able to come back to see their family for one two three months
2: and professionally could this be career ending for some people
0: yeah that's a Good question. There's just so many, we don't know, right? I think that's our, I feel like that's a theme we're all living, <laughs> every right. single one of us around the world. We don't know how long this is going to last. Like, are the smaller leagues in Lithuania or Turkey, are they going to be able to handle the loss of income? A lot of these players, most of these players, minus one or two uh, big names, they're not going back to the NBA. They're, love the game of basketball and they wanted to spend their twenties and thirties overseas, making as much money as possible for their family uh, until they move on to the next stage of their life. So not only are they dealing with not training, not training with a trainer, uh, no idea when the league is going to start again, but then you start having to compete with a whole new batch of college athletes that are graduating and, uh, not getting drafted, who are now coming overseas to take their their spot.
2: The biggest theme or issue, I guess, that most take when it comes to talking about sports and coronavirus uh, is so insular. It's always so about the U.S. and athletes in the U.S. But what are the lessons, Priya, learned in how athletes abroad are experiencing the virus that can be relayed to an American audience?
0: To be worried. No one was super casual about it. Like, yeah, we had to deal with this for a couple of weeks. We're fine. It was, why aren't, the, why isn't the U.S. doing what we're doing? Like, I'll even start with just Nigel Hayes in Lithuania. He said the borders were shut down immediately. Like, I'm safer here. Why am, not, why am I not seeing that overseas? Or for the player in Italy, he was just so upset seeing stories about uh, spring breakers in Florida. His parents live in Florida. They're older. And he's like, what is going on? Like, how much do we have to like forewarn you guys that this is real? And just because you don't see it immediately, it's gonna, it's coming for you. Which was like, it was weird for me having to talk to these guys on a day-to-day basis, getting panicked myself. So I think they feel like they were screaming into the wind. And then I try to turn around and scream into the wind here. I don't know if it worked.
2: Well, we'll see how much it worked and that sense of urgency surely is something that everybody needs to know. Priya Desai, Sports Illustrated writer, producer, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We'll return after these short messages. As Priya mentioned, the level of uncertainty due to the pandemic for US athletes who work abroad continues to affect the future of so many careers. Being stuck in a country without your loved ones, not knowing what might come next, is scary enough, but not to even be sure of the best solution also adds another layer of pressure. But what happens when you're an American player with an international team, but you're now separated from them? and realizing that being away from them also poses a different set of challenges. Joining us now is professional soccer player, goalkeeper, Emily Dolan, who plays for Real Betis Feminas in La Liga in Spain, but currently right now in the U.S. And off this is kind of a family situation. She is the sister of our executive producer, Sean Dolan. Emily, how are you?
1: I'm doing very well. How are
2: you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us, Emily. uh, A lot has been going on, obviously. Let's just start at the beginning. Give us some background on your own story as an American athlete playing professionally abroad.
1: Yeah, I I did my four years in college, went to a decent mid-major program down in Florida, um, after graduating, decided I wanted to give professional football a try, um, but didn't feel that um, there was an opportunity for me here in the US, so I started to look abroad. Ended up landing on a team in Syria A in Italy um, through a series of pretty strange circumstances, um, but did my first season there. Um, after that, I went over to a team in Poland Um, who was a Champions League team at the time, so got to experience that level of play in that stage, which just kind of hooked me for, you know, where I'm at today. Finished that year and then moved over to Spain for Real Betis, and I've been there ever since.
2: So obviously you are well-traveled, uh, you understand the continent, uh, you're very well. When the pandemic started shutting down teams and leagues, what were you doing and how did La Liga and Real Betis handle those developments, especially since Spain being one of the, one of the most affected countries?
1: Um, so I wasn't in the country um, when things started to kind of go sideways over there. Um, I had torn my ACL in November. Um, had surgery over there, and then had come home in the beginning of December um, to start my rehab. And so I was I was finishing up my visa paperwork to head back. Actually, this this past month, um, and then you know the pandemic started spreading. Things were slowing down. I was talking with people in in the club saying, "Hey, maybe let's let's hold off a second. It started out as okay, the cantera aren't going to train. Um, But the first teams and the B-team for the men's side will, and then it turned into, well, okay, everybody's off for the weekend. And I mean, within the series of maybe six or seven days, my entire club was like, nah, stay at home. Um, Took maybe another week or so for our league to say games were postponed. And then a little while longer for them to say it's suspended indefinitely. Um, so their initial response was a little bit slow, but once they started reacting to it, um, things felt pretty quick. Um, and then all the travel restrictions came up and obviously now, you know, I'm in the United States and and can't get back.
2: Yeah. So you're obviously in in somewhat of a unique situation. You were actually in the U S uh, during, when the pandemic started, how much communications have you had between your coaches, teammates, and the organization in recent weeks? Uh, and, and how informative are you guys being towards each other in terms of, you know, when you can return or, or what you need to do whilst you're away?
1: I'm in conversation with my teammates every day. Um, the organization, the coaching staff as well. Um, of course, I'm, I'm recovering from an ACL injury. So there is that open communication as far as trying to figure out how my rehab is going to progress given the situation but yeah i mean i there i'm not the only international on my team there's girls from other countries in europe there's other americans um and so our group messages have kind of become this exchange of information between all of those different countries. Girls saying, you know, I don't, I don't know if I should stay. I don't know if I should go home. The club doesn't know because obviously, you know, things might improve, but you don't know when travel restrictions are going to ease up. So if a player leaves, when do they come back? I mean, it's, it's a very fluid situation and nobody really has any answers for it. Um, So we, I mean, we talk about that all the time as, as a team and how we're going to move forward from it.
2: Do you in a way feel a little thankful, I guess that you are at home with family and close friends, obviously it's difficult for so many different people, but in a way you can feel thankful that you're at least at home. Do, Do you feel that?
1: Yes and no. Um, of of course, I'm I'm happy to be home. I'm happy to be with my family, um, and I'm thankful to be in a situation where I can have good contact with the people over in Spain um, while I'm here. But at the same time, I feel very connected to that community. I feel very much a part of that culture, and so there's a part of me that you know wants to be over there with them and helping that community. I know that. There have been a lot of initiative ta- initiatives taken by people on my team that, you know, I'd, I'd love to be more hands-on with, but you know, I, I just can't. Um, so, to be honest, it, it feels like I'm split between two homes almost, and it's it's a very odd situation and feeling for me to be, to be frank.
2: Yeah, for sure. There's a feeling of connect, but also disconnect because you have two homes, so to speak. What are your top? concerns going forward in the future, personally, uh, and both as a teammate and as an individual athlete?
1: Um, From a personal perspective, again, I'm I'm recovering from a pretty serious injury. It's not an injury that ends careers anymore, thankfully, but things have had to change. I think the time frame for me returning to competitive play is going to be altered, and I have no way of knowing how until we get to that point. Um, trying to do the best that I can personally to make sure that I'm doing what I have to do to return to what I to what I love, and then on a bigger standpoint, I feel like women's football was gaining a lot of momentum, especially in Spain, and you can see that with the success they've had of their national team. But you know the players had uh, negotiated a new CBA and. Uh, Football in Spain for women was really taking off, and so I guess there's this, this sort of question of, well, what am what's going to be there after all of this? What am I returning to? I would love to to believe that that momentum will continue, but you know, especially Spain being hit so hard, there's going to be some questions about you know our sponsors going to be you know, after taking a substantial business hit, are they going to throw money into the women's game? Are people going to spend money to come to come see a match? I mean, understandably, you know, people might say, you know, we need to save that money and put it somewhere else. And then where does that leave us as a league? So there's a lot of uncertainty, um, but I think that women's football has proven itself to be a viable product and be something that people care about and get behind. Um, and so I hope that we'll rebound from this and be able to continue growing in the ways that that we have been over the past couple of years.
2: So Emily, much of the conversation and news has really mainly been focused on men's soccer, the men's game and how so many professional male players are doing their part, uh, whether it's a pay cut or helping their communities I think that the angle is uh, slightly under told, I guess, from the women's perspective and the women's game. How, how do you see it, especially within your own squad and your own club?
1: Yeah, I, I I think it's really inspiring to see the football community giving back to the supporters who've been supporting them for years. Um, and I do believe if you're a part of the football community as a player, you have a platform to help in this situation. But obviously you know, women's football is a lot younger. And so we're not in a place financially to necessarily make those types of contributions. So we've had to be a little more creative for lack of a better phrase. Um, for example, um, a, my team set up um, a situation where they got lists of Betty supporters who were who were older or maybe, you know, the club had reason to believe that they were isolating in their homes by themselves. And they, you know, did phone calls and had conversations with these people just to give them some sort of interaction with a a player from Betis. Another example, I have a friend on my team who ran a uh, sort of a contest, for lack of a better better word, for kids uh, who couldn't go to school. She said, okay. Take the materials that you have in your house, whatever you can find, make a, you know, cartoonish coronavirus, send me a picture in the top three, you know, I'll give them a signed shirt or a signed pair of boots. And so a lot of our contributions are going to be those types of involvements. Um, And I think that those are important as well um and again we have the platform and we may not have the financial means necessarily or the stability as a league to say here's you know x amount of euro or whatever but there are ways that we can help the situation and outside of my own club as well i've been i've been really inspired to see the the women's footballers and the women's clubs really stepping up to the plate in that regard
2: finally emily i i think i know the answer to this at least part of it but what are you most looking forward to when the pandemic lifts and and you Hopefully, essentially, return to Sevilla
1: from a from a personal, non football standpoint. I'm I'm so excited to be to be back in that community again. Um, again, I'm very very connected with with uh, the Verde Blanco family, um, and seeing my teammates. Um, you know, hopefully, I'll be I'll be back playing again. You know, clear from all of this, and uh, I think that football. I mean, they call it. They call it the beautiful game for a reason. And I think it has the capacity to bring people together in amazing ways. I think that this is an opportunity for us to see that. And I think the moment that we can all return to football collectively as, as a whole is going to be a really beautiful moment for the sport, um, independent of, of what club you support. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing, seeing that sort of comeback.
2: Emily Dolan, professional player for Real Betis. Uh, I wish you all the best in the future and on your rehab. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
2: The health and economic issues surrounding the pandemic for these athletes are clearly top of the agenda. But something that continues to surface is the worry of the unknown. Where am I going to play in a year from now? Will my contract be protected? When will action return, and most importantly, will I be ready to live up to expectation? These are all legitimate questions, and when you're an American athlete playing abroad, they're not easy to answer. The hope is that there is support and guidance along the way, so athletes can make a clear decision on their future. And equally, their employers offer as much protection as possible. Thanks to Priya Desai and Emily Dolan for joining me today. We'll continue bringing you these stories throughout the coronavirus crisis. If you like what we're doing, please recommend us to a friend or family member and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find a show. You can listen to coronavirus and sports for free wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe or follow us for the latest episodes. Stay safe